Dirty Bird Podcast contains foul language and is not appropriate for young fledglings. Listener discretion is advised. Our intro music is brought to you by Ricky Pistone, aka Dick Piston. And our outro music is brought to you by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. Are you looking for a podcast today? With ornithology and humor you crave Well I know all these guys and it's birds they like It's Dirty Bird Yeah, they're just a couple guys Who really like birds It's Dirty Bird Yeah, they're pretty dirty But they really like birds Hello, and welcome to Dirty Bird Podcast, a podcast that is serious about birds, but nothing else. Today, I have a very special episode. I'll be talking about the Imperial Woodpecker, a bird that is most likely extinct, but to keep this episode from being a total bummer, we have the Dirty Bird superfan, Jay Pogo here. Yeah! (laughs) How's it going, man? Good. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. It's, you know, early in the morning, Jay Pogo's slamming some coffee. Uh, <laughs> like a madman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, I, I don't know, if this is your first time listening to the show, Jay Pogo has been on the show a lot, uh, leaving me voice memos, which everyone loves and are hilarious. I don't know. Do you want to just talk about yourself a little bit and how you got into birding and stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I'm Jay Pogo. I go under many different aliases. Um, Dirty Jay, actually. Ah. I got that little nickname um, a while back, so it kind of fits the the, the bird cast. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, um, I started about five years ago, and uh, pretty much I took a a picture of a, 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 a Woody Woodpecker. The Pileated? Yeah. Pileated? Yeah. And uh, that kind of started off like, you know, my little journey. And then uh, one day I went to a park on my vacation and um, I'm getting all hyped up because I'm like new and I go home after taking some pictures and I, you know, tell my wife, I'm like, oh, I found number five. I think I found a turkey vulture. Right? <laughs> and she's like, that doesn't look like a turkey vulture. So after like cleaning it up. It ended up being a juvenile bald eagle. Nice. And yeah, and pretty much for a week straight, like I was hanging out at the same park every single day and just looking at bald eagles in like their own habitat. And uh, you got hooked, man. You got that. That was it. (laughs) That was it. That was it. And then and then the big year was also a a big help. The big year is a a movie with uh, Jack Black and uh, Steve Martin, which are like. Two Renaissance men. And that um, I who was, the hell else is um, in it? Um, uh, the o- dude from Owen Wedding Brothers. Crashers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owen yeah, yeah, Wilson. Yeah, the one, yeah, the one, yeah Owen yeah. Wilson. <laughs> yep, and uh, and that was it. Like that particular movie. Um, no matter what type of day, it makes me happy, you know, and it makes me feel like I'm in the park, if you will, like you know, chasing that you know bird or whatever the case. But uh, pretty much, the bald eagles did it, and you know. That's awesome, it was a, dude. It, it was a, it ruined my life ever since, <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, in a for good sure. Way. It's so cool because the pileated woodpecker. I hear that one over and over again from people. That's how they. That's how I kind of got into birding. Is I had yeah, a, yeah, I had I a feeder out, that. and one came to the feeder, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this is an amazing bird!" And like from there, it just kind of like I wanted to learn more about uh, all birds. Yep. So. Yep, that it, the, the same thing happened with me. Like I, I picked up two birds with one stone, and um, you know we had a camera lying around, and we always went into parks. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, I took a picture of that uh, uh, the, the 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 woodpecker, and I had like a three hundred millimeter. So I worked with that for like a long time, and then I went to the five hundred uh, millimeter because. You know, not just to get like a, a picture and, you know, boast about, you know, that stuff or whatever the case, but um, it helped me identify the birds because, you know, some of the warblers and stuff like that that come around during migrating season, you're not going to tell what that is if you don't have binoculars and all right. that stuff. So it helped me, you know, 
um, literally like learn, you know, yeah. what was around and what was coming around. And, you know, that was it. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you take some pretty good photos. Um, you can find Jay Thank Pogo you. on Instagram and, and look at some of his photos. He's got and his Zoom background right now talking to me. And you got that <laughs> snowy owl. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you definitely get some real good shots. And, Thank you. Um, and, Thank you and yeah, much. I love looking at him. Thank um, you, thank you. You know the camera does all the work. I just point and shoot, point and, and shoot, yeah. you know, hope for the best. <laughs> um, and and so, how did you find out about the podcast? I know you uh, you said you were a UPS driver. Do you like list, listen to a lot of podcasts when you're doing deliveries? Uh, I do. Um, you know. I'm a chatterbox, so like nobody wants to listen to my voice <laughs> all day long for like three hours. So like I'll listen to um I listen to some podcast and uh, I follow, I think it's uh Coastal. Yeah, her name is Jess. Yeah, yeah, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, we had her on the yeah. show. She's done some artwork for the show and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Very talented. Um, and she had posted about it and then I went on and I was like, Oh, dirty birds. And then, you know, I just started listening to it. And yep. then that was that. Awesome. You know? dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I left you the first voicemail and then, uh, yep. and then that was, a, that was, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. If, if you like this episode and you're listening for the first time, you got to go check the backlog. Cause, uh, Jay Pogo has got some great ones that he leaves me. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely, I think, I think it started off with, uh, 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 Flicker, I didn't even know her. Yeah, that, yep. that one. I think that was the first one. If <laughs> Flickr, I'm not mistaken, I just met her. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, other fans have definitely commented too that they love it. Um, I actually have an email here I got recently from uh, this listener, Samantha. Um, she writes, uh, "Hi, John. Just want to say thanks for putting together this podcast. I don't listen to podcasts often, but I recently got into birding and enjoy the casual yet educational nature of your show." I look forward to listening each week when I get some downtime. Oh, I wish that I could put out episodes every week. Uh, uh, <laughs> definitely nice to hear some people around my age interested in birds. And the she calls you Joe Pogo, but we'll forgive her on that one. The Joe! Joe <laughs> the Joe Pogo messages are pretty hilarious. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Samantha. Thanks, Samantha. Yeah, thank you, Samantha. And yeah... Everyone, let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you think about Jay Pogo. <laughs> yeah, not Joe Pogo, not Samantha. Joe... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, like I said, today we're going to be talking about the Imperial Woodpecker. Um, you ready to learn about this uh, bad boy, Jay? Hell yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, unfortunately, this woodpecker is probably extinct. Um, but if it is still alive, it is the largest woodpecker in the world. Um, it would grow up to two feet long. Um, I saw a description saying it was as large as a raven. So, like, you know, the pileated, you think about how amazing, like, big that bird looks like. Like, this one would just blow it out of the water. I really wish they were still around. Yeah. Humans. Yeah, thanks, humans. Well, yeah, we'll talk about all the factors, but, yeah, it pretty much boils down to humans. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we have this, the reason why I say that is we have this saying in our household, uh, we like animals more than most humans. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good people out there, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, when you start learning about things, you know, you, you, you kind of like have a different appreciation of like, you know. Right. No, I totally what? know what you're saying. And I know you're an animal lover, both with, you know, birds. And then before you switched your Zoom background, I think I saw your two dogs running around back there. Oh, yeah, yeah, my, my stew and my buckshot. It's it's great. I don't mean to cut you off from the you're, from um, you're good, bro. Uh, the the woodpecker, but um, we found uh the bigger one, buckshot. Oh, really? On uh the Belt Parkway in uh, Queens, New York. Oh. And the Belt Parkway is a very busy highway. Anybody in New York knows about the Belt Parkway. And yeah. Eleven years later, we have them. Wow. Well, that's great, yeah. man. That's good. You took them in. Wait. So yeah. You, so you're. You're up in New York, so when you're doing UPS delivery, are you driving around the city and stuff? No, I stay away from okay, the city as much as possible. No, I'm in I'm in the suburbs of uh, okay. Bronxville and Eastchester, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice. Not a lot of people out, and you know, I got a lot of chipmunks, squirrels. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm I'm a dude. You know, I like like violent movies, 
explosions, <laughs> car chases. But when I'm doing my route and I'm birding, I feel like the biggest princess ever. Oh, it's the best. Rabbits, everything. I have everything over there. It's so dope. You're the <laughs> Disney UPS princess out there. <laughs> Vibe into Dirty Bird podcast while you do it. Like cursing. And like I have to catch myself because I'm like, oh my, my goodness. They're going to they're gonna record me on their ring device. <laughs> oh, you're fine, man. Uh, well, all right. To go back to the Imperial Woodpecker. So, I, you know, I mentioned the Pileated. They they looked pretty similar, actually. When you, uh, We don't really have any photos of these guys. There's one um, video from, like, 1956 that was found, um, and it's of a female. Uh, we do have some drawings people did of them, and, and there's a couple museum, you know, taxidermy ones. But... They're really cool because, I mean, they kind of look like a pileated woodpecker. They got those big bodies with black and white on them. And uh, both the males and females have these large crests on their heads. The males would have a red crest. Uh, the females, it would be all black. But the really cool thing about them is they have, their crest would, like, curl forward. Like, especially the females, too. It literally looks like she wakes up every morning and puts curlers in her hair. Uh, you, you saw the photo I sent you, right? The drawing yes. of them? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, it's like pretty cool that little curly cue they have. Like, I really wish I could see these things in the wild. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons why, like, I'm sure everyone's heard about that. Well, if you're like a bird or heard about the ivory billed woodpecker, um, and you hear a lot about that, it's like a, a it's a probably extinct, um, also large woodpecker, but um, maybe it's still around. There's some controversy there. Uh, but like you never hear about the Imperial and the reason why is because the Imperial was never in, you know, the USA, America, whereas the ivory build was in like the southern USA. Um, the territory of the Imperial woodpecker um, was down in the um, Sierra Madre Occidental, um, which is like a mountain range that runs through the middle of Mexico. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess because it was down in Mexico, like a lot of American birders never really, you know, got into it the way they did with the ivory build. But that's that's where it lived. And just a little bit more information on it. Uh, it was first uh, described by the famed ornithologist John Gold. Um, he gave it that name Imperial Woodpecker due to its impressive size. And um, its call apparently sounded like a toy trumpet. Um, so we don't have any recordings of its call, unfortunately. But... Yeah, really, there's not a lot that we know about this bird because, you know, it went extinct. Um, so no one really got to study it real well and, like, record information about it. There's a few videos out there. It looks like finding Sasquatch. I know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's real weird because, like, it, you know, you see this footage and, you know, it's shaky and all this. And, and, and it's like it, it's, it's, it's rarefied air. And like you said, not a lot of people, uh, you know, captured uh, this and... Um, you know, it has that eerie feeling to it. It when does. You, you know, you look it up. Yeah, when you're watching the video and you're like, oh, this, you know, they're gone totally. Yeah. And, you, and yeah. all we have is this tiny little snapshot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really does look like the Sasquatch footage. It's all shaky. <laughs> it's like on that old 1950s camera. Like, maybe we should Poor dress up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should dress up in Imperial Woodpecker costumes and, and film a grainy video. And No, I don't want to get shot. Yeah, that's <laughs> Someone's going to stick an arrow through my eye. No, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking about shooting them, like, uh, when I did one of my first episodes, I did on Ivory Build Woodpeckers. And, like, yep. it's similar, reading the early accounts of, like, ornithologists with, with the Imperial Woodpecker, it's similar to when I would read about the Ivory Build. Because, like, Audubon, you know, he talks about just shooting Ivory Build Woodpeckers. And, like, yeah. early ornithologists, you read their accounts of the Imperial, and they're like, oh, I shot five today. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like fuck you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because, um, you know, doing a little research, uh, he had said something. Like, if he didn't come home, I think it was uh, uh, Audubon, Audubon. Mr. Audubon. If he didn't come home with, like, 2,000 birds, like, yeah. he had a bad day, something like that. And yeah. I'm like, what a punk. I right? know. And, but, you know, like knowing what we know now, you know, it, you know, we've came a long way. But when I started uh, photog uh, doing photography, 
if I didn't come home with 2,000 shots, I felt <laughs> like I had a bad day before knowing that information. Right. And I was like, ooh, this is eerie. I, th- I thought it was a sign. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I mean. Let me see what's what. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because obviously they didn't have cameras back then. So, like, instead yep. of yep. the photography, you know, that was yeah. their way to capture these birds to study them was to, to just yeah. shoot them. You yeah. Know? And like, yeah. they probably just thought there were so many that, you know, it was that kind of mindset, like there's so much nature that, you know, man could never impact it. Well, yeah, we can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that wasn't the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, poor Imperial woodpeckers. Um, I read one account by this ornithologist E.W. Nelson from 1898. Um, he describes how he found a pair of uh, Imperial woodpeckers. It took him a while searching for him near um, Late Patsquaro, um, and he shot at them. The female escaped, but the male was hit in the wing. Um, and as E.W. Nelson approached it, the male imperial woodpecker spread its wings, raised its crest high, and opened its bill in an aggressive display. So, like, this guy was fighting until the end, you know? They weren't just yeah. wimpy little woodpeckers. Heart. Yeah, they had heart. Like, and apparently they had really strong pair bonds, too, because Nelson says that after he finally walked up to that aggressive male bird and finish it off like probably execution style um, yeah and he put it in his saddlebag the female kept returning and circling around looking for what happened to her mate oh that breaks my heart oh my goodness i know it really does like and Ugh. yeah like they were pretty attached to each other um one of the reasons why they were like so easy for people to shoot is because they like to be in groups of like seven to eight birds um sometimes even bigger flocks so like they had Nice little social bonds and everything. and That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. Um, and it's very different from other woodpeckers, you know? Like, pileated, you usually only see, like, two together. Yep. Or, like, maybe they'll have some young with them. Like, usually woodpeckers are yeah. pretty, like, just their pair, and that's it, you know? Yeah, if you see them. Like, the ones yeah. over here, like, you see one, Yeah, you know? And usually they're not, like, you know, they're not in, you know, the pairs, as you say. Uh-huh. Because probably, one's probably close by, but... It's usually that one huge one that's like, you know, he's, he, they'll show you, whether it be a, fe- a male or female. Yeah. But the more north I go, for whatever reason, I can't, I can hear them, but I can't, I, I don't see them because it's so dense with, uh, with uh, tree life, you know, that it's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going over there. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like super allergic to poison ivy. So sometimes like, oh, I'll like have, you know, a bird will be somewhere and like there's some thick underbrush and I'm like, is it worth it getting poison ivy no, to see this bird? No, no. <laughs> and when finding out like about, you know, birds and stuff like that and like, you know, kind of getting off of the beaten trail, there's a, another thing called ticks that yeah. I learned. To, I, 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 oh, no, I don't like that ickiness. <laughs> Every so often I'll have shorts and then I'll feel something crawling on yep. my leg hairs. And I'm like, <laughs> I found one in my hair not too long ago and I shaved my head immediately. I hopped out the shower. <laughs> I saved it shaved my head i mean i shaved my head anyway but yeah <laughs> but uh oh no 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 yeah. no 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 they're bad this year too man there's yeah, ticks no. everywhere this year yeah. yeah and it and it's nuts because um i i noticed that you know the the the, the babies like mallard ducks geese um they have them you know they yeah. go run into the brush and you know i noticed you know some surrounding the eye and stuff like that yeah. it just it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah i know birds I mean, birds eat ticks, but also, yeah, they get ticks on them too. Same, you know, as as we do, as us mammals and everything. Like, I, I got a question what's actually. Up? Um, birds that eat ticks, do they get uh, certain diseases from that? Because I've noticed a few species that do go for ticks, and yeah. you know, I know it can do something to us, but it does it do anything to the birds? So, I mean, there's parasites i'm sure in the guts of ticks that birds can probably get but like the real you know the real thing we think about with ticks is you know like lyme disease out here in the east and um birds they they can't get lyme disease from eating it but uh they can get lyme disease if they get bit by it um there's some they're not huge reservoirs for lyme disease like lyme disease you usually think about like mice or deer you know as as for sure as being the the main carriers so but birds do contribute to like kind of that population of of lyme disease because um how how lyme disease works basically is like an animal gets infected with the parasite um from a tick uh another tick will come and feed on that animal and it'll get the the lyme disease um the bacteria Yeah. yeah 
And then it can pass that on. And so that's kind of like how it spreads. The ticks aren't affected by it. The ticks are fine, but they, yeah. they spread it, you know, same way mosquitoes spread malaria and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. 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 So Though I, I hate those two. Yep. I, I, hate I, them I, too. I, I stay out <laughs> of the, 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 the wetlands around this time because they're vicious. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just wait till winter time. And <laughs> yeah, there. that's, that's, that, that's actually when I do my most bidding because it's nice and cool. You can layer, yeah. you can take things off. But, uh, the, the majority of the part is that, you know, there's a lot more bald eagle action, right? You know? And, uh, yeah, that's, that's something different. And, and every once in a while, the snowy owls coming down too in the winter time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, hang out on the beach. They do. Unfortunately, that brings a different type of rodent. Humans. <laughs> yeah. I yep. think I ranted about that not too long ago. <laughs> yep, yeah. I think that, yeah, on, on my last episode with Tim, I think I, I played that one where you talk about Hellboy and his uh his snowy owls. <laughs> Hi, Tim. <laughs> Tim's definitely listening. <laughs> um. So anyway, so back to our Imperial Woodpeckers. Um. Just a couple uh, notes on them. They uh, um, like all woodpeckers. Basically, you know, they. Uh, bang on trees to expose uh, bugs that are feeding on like the dead wood and stuff. Um, Imperial woodpeckers seem to really, really like grubs, like beetle grubs. Um, and they would find a dead tree. Um, the mountains of the Sierra Madre Occidental are like mostly pine forests, maybe some oaks too. Uh, but they would usually find dead pines and they would kind of swarm it in a group of like eight and they would just spend like a whole week or two just hammering away at this tree eating up all the grubs that they could and sometimes they would uh hammer it so much that they would actually knock the tree over which is pretty oh, cool shit. yeah <laughs> yeah i read like an account where like they would hammer a tree so much it would not f- fall to the ground and when it fell you know it kind of like explode and just reveal even more grubs so like maybe yeah. that was yeah that was like part of their feeding strategy mm, delicious um have you ever seen stuff about acorn woodpeckers, Jay Pogo? No. They're they're like a, a species out west. Um, they're kind of cool, though. What they do, their strategy is they um, hammer away at trees. They make these little holes, and then they fill those holes with um, acorns. Oh, so, yeah, they shove it in there, right? Yeah, yeah to, like, yeah, store yeah, yeah, okay. it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. And uh, apparently their territory overlapped with the imperial woodpecker, and imperial woodpeckers, like, they're freaking huge you know like the acorn woodpecker doesn't stand a chance against them so they would just bully the acorn woodpeckers out of the way and eat their stores of acorns <laughs> scumbags yeah so they weren't kind of jerks <laughs> yep um but anyway uh that's really i have bits and tidbits of information here and there but that's kind of really all we know about like their behavior and, and everything like that um from that video uh, from 1956, we do know that they flapped their wings a little bit faster than most woodpeckers do. And they, uh, when they climb up trees, they tend to like do a little like scurry, like they scurry up for like three feet and then they stop Yeah, and then they would scurry uh-huh. up again. So, but well, at least I know what to look out for. I mean, I highly doubt that I'm going to go to <laughs> Mexico anytime soon and it starts this bird, but um, yeah. Uh, how um how, how how was uh did you find anything of uh anything about like what caused their extinction? Yeah, so let's let's go into that. So the first thing that kind of contributed to their extinction is they had a really confined range. Um, like I said, they only lived in that Sierra Madre Occidental. It's a narrow band of mountains that runs down the center of Mexico, and then even within this small range, it kind of further confined itself by specializing only in high altitude mesas. So, like, these are, like, up in the mountains, it kind of, there'll be a mesa, it'll just, like, flat, like a plateau. And and they really liked those. I found accounts that you didn't even find them below 6,000 feet. So, like, they only liked high up in the mountains from about 6,000 to, like, 8,000 feet elevation. Um, They liked large stands of mature pine trees. And since it's a big bird, it needs a pretty large territory. And then also it needs big dead trees to build its nests in. So, yeah, it was kind of, you know, really limited um, on on where it could live. Um, It's thought that they never really existed in large numbers. Um, I saw one estimate, uh, the max population, you know, even before humans were killing them off, was probably only around 8,000 birds. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so there really never were very many. Um, however, they were really conspicuous within their range. Like, I read one account from 1887. Uh, there was a lieutenant, um, H.C. Benson, of, uh, I think he was the U.S. Cavalry. Um, and he ventured into the Sierra Madre Occidental because he was pursuing Apache Indians. And, like, this guy's not even a birder, you know, he's a U.S. Cavalry guy. But even he was noticing these Imperial woodpeckers all over the place. Dope. Yeah. And the reason why he was pursuing Apaches there is um, the Apaches had fled into the mountains because the Sierra Madre Occidental is like a rugged, hard-to-access area. And uh, it it's like these mountains like range up to like 8,000 feet in size, you know, it's kind of deserty. So like, it's a real hard place to, for humans to, to kind of exist and move into, which you might think might protect uh, species, but actually the inaccessibility of this area leads to some people going there. Like famous figures like Geronimo and Pancho Villa, they would go hide out in these mountain ranges Um, during the Mexican revolution of 1910 and 1917. People fled the violence by heading up into the mountains. Um, And uh, then as the revolution calmed down, uh, Mexico's population began to grow and they had all this land in the mountains that no one had really officially settled. It was just mostly like outlaws out there. Yeah. So Yeah, so then the Mexican government started granting a lot of land out there. And as their economy grew, they, there was more demand for lumber products. So then they prompted uh, logging companies to go out and exploit the virgin timber up in the mountains. Ah. Yeah, so like it was a kind of hideout, but like people were always there. There were like uh, Native uh, Americans out in the mountains, and then like, uh, you know, people would, outlaws would go there, people fleeing violence. And then as things calmed down, you know, in the mid uh, 20th century, then it started really getting exploited. Um, Like the ivory billed woodpecker, logging was the real killer of these species. Apparently, mature pine forests in this mountain range once covered uh, a land area twice the size of Denmark, uh, but by 1995, there was only 0.6% of these forests remaining. So, that's a lot of logging. Yeah. 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 There goes the humans again. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it appears that between 1946 and 1965 was when, like, the real final nails in the coffin were hammered in. Like, they were pretty plentiful still in like the early 1900s but like they were dropping dropping off and um, most accounts i saw uh when you know they went back in the 90s some expeditions to try to look for these birds um most people reported seeing their very last imperial woodpecker between 1946 and 1965 and that coincides with the 1950s basically almost everything was logged in those mountains yeah it kind of coincides with that um, the real thing that kind of sucks is that all these pines and oak trees that were, um, cut down in these mountains, they were mostly turned into paper pulp, which is wow. like, yeah, it's a real waste for massive trees. Cause like, yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, from my research, if you're a logger, you could feel free to contradict me, but like you oh, can base... a logger. <laughs> <laughs> you like to drink loggers, but <laughs> I do actually. That's the only thing I like to drink. Oh, like really? the dark, yeah, the dark, heavy stuff. Like when it gets, you know, into the, you know, the the the. I call it poison fruit. When it starts tasting sour, that's when I'm like, Eeeh. yeah, I don't like the no, sour beers either. No, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, my little foray into logging, uh, the the chopping down trees kind not the beer kind um (laughs) you can use like even like young tiny pine trees to make paper pulp so like it's kind of a waste to use these massive trees like um i i hear that this is still an issue like i think up in canada or the pacific northwest or something there's like some virgin forest that um or mature forest of like big trees that apparently are being chopped down just to make like toilet paper so oh wonderful i know i hate i hate that like yeah yeah so um uh kind of the other history of this area is um more recently in like the late 90s early 2000s um like uh this area became a huge area for uh illicit drug production you know like the cartels were were moving into these mountains yeah because i mean you know, it's hard to get to, so it's hard for the uh, Mexican army and police to get to. So I saw a few YouTubes about that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
So uh, it's heavy duty business. Yeah. So apparently um, that kind of stopped some of the logging because there were, you know, narco traficantes out there that, yeah. you know, and um, uh, this was more, uh, I think it was actually earlier than the 1990s, but this was more just marijuana fields to start with. Um, yeah. So, you know, they were wanting to protect him and stuff. The loggers didn't, their loggers were probably being paid off not to go up there and stuff. Um, but uh, in the early 2000s, Mexico kind of cracked down on a lot of the illicit drug production. And some of these areas that were like the very last remnants of, of forest that were almost being protected, I guess, by the drug dealers, um, mm-hmm. then became safe for the loggers to enter. And so then they were logged. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the less of two evils, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Not, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. The narco traficantes are definitely not um, good to these birds either. But uh... No. No. I'm pretty sure that cocaine doesn't really do good for them either. <laughs> All that gasoline they put in it. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, logging wasn't the only killer of these birds, though. People also commonly shot them when they saw them, either just for sport or to um, collect their bills or their crests. Um, I saw one interview with a local. Um, he was interviewed about imperial woodpeckers, and he said, uh, they were big and pretty, and we had guns. Need I say more? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a different time. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean... These birds were kind of hunted from the very beginning that humans interacted with them. Uh, the oldest reference to this bird comes from a recording of the medicinal practices of the uh, Tarahumara tribe in 1777. Uh, Franciscan friars were writing this, and they wrote that the feathers of uh, the Spanish word for this bird is pito real. Um, oh. So they wrote the feathers of the pito real were used to cure fainting spells in men and ease childbirth in women. Oh, yeah. Also, I was trying to Google what, like, pito real means in Spanish and stuff, and I guess it's a term for woodpecker, but I also found that pito is, like, a Spanish uh, slang term for dick. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, you know how, like, people are called peckers or whatever, you know? (laughs) So I guess there's something going on there. I don't know. if, If anyone speaks Spanish, let me know. But, like, there's something going on with crossover with woodpeckers and like dick in <laughs> spanish <laughs> oh my goodness yep so like um from the very beginning that humans encountered them back you know when native americans like 10 15,000 years ago uh moved into this area um they kind of always used the imperial woodpecker for medicine ceremonies uh apparently the red crest feathers um of the male were thought to help cure earaches um uh, Native Americans would stuff the feathers in their ears and it was thought that you, it would keep bad air from moving in and giving you an earache. I believe earache. it. Yep, I believe it. <laughs> uh, the uh, impressive bills were um, used as hairpins. Um, I also saw that they were good for removing corn kernels from your ear. Huh. I didn't know that was a problem. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know that you eat corn through your ears. That's awesome. Yep, uh, and they were also apparently a very tasty bird. Uh, the Tarahumara tribe, um, they called the bird the uh, uh, kumokokare, um, and they particularly liked eating nestlings. So they were known to Ooh. chop down trees if they knew there was a nesting cavity in it. Oh, delicious. <laughs> uh, of course, as, um, you know, Spanish settlers moved in, you know, there was a lot of mixing with the native populations. So, like, uh, they took up some of these medicinal properties for the bird. Um, also, early Mexican settlers of the Sierra Madre Occidental, like, it's a very harsh environment. So they were very dependent on hunting to provide food. Um, there were populations of turkeys, white-tailed deer, black bear in these mountains that were almost entirely wiped out by hunting. Um, And, like, you know, apparently the imperial woodpecker was also a big uh, menu item because it provided more meat than a squirrel and also apparently tasted better. Tastes like chicken. Yeah, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I know. um, I was trying to see if Audubon ever went down to see these birds because, you know, Audubon, he always cooked up and ate whatever bird he killed yeah. and, and talked about how it tasted. But I don't think he ever made it down into Mexico much. Yeah. I think he stayed around where he stayed. Yeah. But um, there, yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure he had plenty to go around over <laughs> where he was. That's like me. I don't venture off. I, I like, you know, going back into how I started, if I knew then what I knew now, like I'd be all over the place right. you know, looking at birds, but I, you know, the universe gives you what it gives you when you need to get it. 
Yep. If that makes sense, you know, so I'm very interested in the, the, the spirituality aspect when it comes to birds and feathers and medicinal use, because even, you know, not saying killing, but even with dead things, like it still has energy. Right. So wings that you would find on the floor that just got ripped off by a freaking red tail hawk or something like that. <laughs> like usually like I'll, uh, uh, put them to the side and, um, you know, make a little something, you know, put it in the frame or whatever, but oh, cool. you know, even in death, there's energy. And, you know, I really do like the, uh, indigenous, um, aspects that uh that you talk about right yeah in the and, podcast because and, it's awesome yep and uh yeah and i don't i don't mean to imply that the the indigenous people were contributing to the extinction of these guys like, no I, no I'm no sure by they were means. pretty sustainably hunting them you know yes um yes yeah and uh of course yeah uh i i unfortunately couldn't find a ton about mythology i'm sure they had myths and legends about these birds um i did saw see that maybe there was like a demigod and they're like um yes. you know pantheon of birds that was an imperial woodpecker um so but it was it's really hard to find anything um i'd probably yeah. have to be able to speak spanish or one of the native languages yeah. you know and, and actually yeah, talk to someone or yeah. speak, latin, speak to some franciscan monks about it i don't know yes but uh, if you find a book that looks like human skin and you open it up about don't open it don't don't open it <laughs> leave it to the side you know don't worry about it just try to stick with the youtubes and the google yeah i don't want to get mm. possessed by the spirit of an imperial woodpecker <laughs> <laughs> um and uh like i said like you know the indigenous people probably weren't killing them off in huge numbers like sure. um and uh even early hunters um really weren't able to kill a ton of them because like the guns guns were clumsy um ammo was expensive you know you usually didn't want to really waste it shooting at a flying bird that you're probably going to miss um however i saw that in the 1950s um hunting of these birds there was a major uptick because that's when cheap 22 caliber ammunition was first introduced to this area oh. and so you could afford just firing off some pot shots at some birds and yeah, uh, just let it ring yeah <laughs> so have you ever shot have you ever shot a gun before oh yeah yeah oh I've, my goodness i've never shot a bird before my dad no uh, not a bird like a target <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah oh my it's fun fun definitely yeah not for not, not for shooting things though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with hunting, you know, sustainable hunting and everything. Yes. Uh, I talk about that in my rough grouse episode too. Like, part of the reason we have rough grouse population still is because hunters maintain the, um, you know, the environment that they need. Um, For sure. So uh, I think there's definitely, you know, humans. Humans are hunters. That's we've been hunters. So I think there's yeah, a place if, for if, it. If you take down an elk, you can feed at least three families for a whole year. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of, um, respect that comes with that. You know, a lot yes. of people, you know, they thank it before they go off. And then, you know, other people, they're just like, got me a buck. You yeah. know what I mean? Some shit. I'm going to go hunt lions and an elephant in Africa. I'm going to go it's get like, me some yeah. alligator shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely a, a respectful way to do it. And I think, yeah, to go back to the indigenous people, kind of looking at, the way that they treated the the world that they harvested from, you know, yes. like, and, and kind of taking, we don't need to take everything, you know? No, no. And it, it's funny because if there were a, a story uh, that was around, um, you had mentioned this a, a while back in your podcast that it, it's, it's cool because you can see the beginning, the middle and the end, like of a good movie where there's some kind of conflict, then there's the resolve yeah. Kind of like, um, kind of like the story with the uh, with, with the uh, black vultures. Yeah, <laughs> with the with, with the little guy. Yes, yeah, sticking you know, his like, head. I damn you for the rest, and then that's yeah. it. They went bold. <laughs> if yeah. anybody needs to research that, go back to the later episodes and look for that one. That's yep. a good one. Yeah, that's my one on turkey vultures, black vultures. The the story I yep. start that with a uh, yeah a Native American story is just there's awesome. poops, there's everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, the beginning, middle, and end of uh, of the story of the Imperial Woodpecker is a very tragic end. 
yeah, 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 yeah. That, that but maybe true. there's like a maybe there's an epilogue and like someone will discover them. I, I'll, I'll talk about that. Somebody uh, will make a prequel. Yeah, a prequel for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, we've talked about logging, we've talked about shooting, but um, there was a big like uh, push, um, especially from the logging industry, a smear campaign. I'll call it quite literally um, against these birds. Um, the logging industry, um, I don't know if it's because they didn't want these birds to be like protected. They wanted to log these forests. They didn't want the birds to be there and, you know, prevent them from being able to log it. Or if they actually believed this, but they told local people that Imperial woodpeckers destroy valuable timber and encourage people to shoot and kill the birds. Um, they actually even provided locals with poison to smear on any tree that they found Imperial woodpeckers feeding on. What kind uh, of poison? I don't know you what know? the exact poison was, but like some kind of poison they would smear. And like, remember I talked that the woodpeckers like to come in groups to one tree and then they feed on it for like weeks. So yep, like if yep, you, yep, yep. if you smeared one tree that they liked, they would come and like all feed on it and all die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind, of, kind of something similar to, um, to, uh, 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 um, bird feeders that you were talking about, I think with, Oh, yeah, like how you get stuff. like mold in yep. all that stuff. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep. it can like serve as yeah. If you don't clean your feeder and there's disease in it, then um, yeah, you're just attracting birds to their death pretty yep. much. Yep, and then that's it. It's did it, it's did its job. Yeah, I actually uh, right now in um, Northern Virginia, there's some epidemic going around. They have no idea what it is, um, and they've actually told people to drain their um, bird baths and take down their bird feeders. Really? How recent? Uh, this is within the past couple weeks. Um, oh, wow. It's some unknown. It's mostly like an eye disease. They have no idea what it is yet. And, uh, but huh. they think it's being spread by feeders and bird bass up there. So they asked everyone to take down their feeders and stuff. Holy shit. That's yeah. fucking crazy. I know. So hopefully they figure it out. Um, I saw a lot of speculation that people think it might be from, uh, uh, I've heard accounts, you know how the cicadas are erupted up there right now? You, you, you know what? It's crazy because we haven't heard one cicada over here. Yeah, I don't think they're they're in a very specific yeah, range. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Northern Virginia is one of it. And like a lot of people in Northern Virginia are city people. They don't really yeah. know nature. So apparently they're going out and they're spraying insecticide on these cicadas. Because oh. they don't like the way they sound. And, oh! Yeah, and so there's speculation that maybe the birds are then eating these infected uh cicadas, cicadas you know yeah. i i don't but no one knows yet though so yeah and just blame it on humans <laughs> it just all goes back to, that, goes back to the same place <laughs> that's why jay pogo that's why i needed you on this show because it was it was gonna be a very depressing episode if i didn't have oh my god relief <laughs> oh thank thank goodness but look yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm glad i could help <laughs> yeah but look i totally uh don't want to just entirely blame the these people living in the mountains, you know, that were shooting and poisoning these birds. Cause no, like, no, 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 they no. were trying to eke out a living and the logging companies, like, you know, they were offering them up to like $2,000 uh, US to harvest timber on their land. And like, if you're struggling to provide for your family, like um, it's kind of hard to choose a bird over feeding your family, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's different. We're in a different place uh, than where we were, you know, so it's, you know, good for, spreading information out there like that because it brings more education to you know what we love to do yeah and you know a lot of regulations you know that came in you know helped out uh, dramatically you know what i mean and there is a lot of good people out there i might shit on humans a little bit but you know at the end of the day uh there are a lot of good people out there that you know have corrected their mistakes right you know what i mean so it's a learning process you know that's like if you go through something negative in your life it's a learning process. You know, it's not necessarily dread. It might be for the moment, but it's like a feeling. It's like the weather. It's going to change. Right. So, you know, we learn off of these things and, you know, we spread that along and, you know, hopefully someone has an open ear and an open mind, you know, to, um, you know, look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. You know? So it's good to go back and correct. Yeah. What look at the done. mistakes. You yeah. know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this might be a little bit depressing of an episode but like let's learn from you know what happened with the imperial like it sucks it's probably gone uh almost certainly gone but like yeah there's birds right now that are in the imperial woodpeckers like downward yep. spiral but are still yep. here and so let's work towards that yeah like look at uh peregrine falcons and uh bald eagles at one point they weren't gonna be around yeah 
You yeah. know what I mean? And now we banned uh, DDT. Yeah. 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 And, and before like anything else before they were like, Oh, this is going to be the best or whatever the case. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't. And, uh, we're at a point now where, you know, that population is pretty healthy, yep. you know, especially around my area, you know, um, but again, you know, life is a circle and it rotates. So like certain things, and if I'm not mistaken, um, the golden crown kinglet, uh-huh. I don't think that's doing very well. Yeah. Or the ruby crowned kinglet. I know last time I said ruby throated and you guys corrected me on that one. He was like, I think he messed up on that one. I did because I was nervous. <laughs> but um, I think one of those two uh, aren't doing good. And a few yeah. other species too. And it's like, you know, again, we, you know, see what helps and, you know, what hurts and what helps. And then, you know, we try to do our best to, you know, spread that word on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I do an episode on these two birds and, and talk about their populations and everything. Um, so back to Imperial here, uh, the, so basically, you know, it was always like kind of hunted, but probably pretty sustainably, uh, as more humans moved in, in like the 1940s, 1950s in, into the mountains in Mexico, um, uh, as more areas got logged as that 22 ammunition got introduced, it was really pretty hard for these birds they were they were getting hunted they were their habitat was getting destroyed and they started to decline a lot um like i said though they didn't go down without a fight um uh a lot of people that i uh read who had shot them they wrote that um they were difficult to secure because they were powerful hard muscled creatures possessed of remarkable vitality wounded birds fought with savage courage Mm. yeah so they were like they were like the Spartans at you know three the three hundred, <laughs> just were... kicking people over the hills. <laughs> like, Get out of here, you punk! Yep, <laughs> stop <laughs> shooting me. <laughs> um, but uh, even with that huge decline in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, there's pretty credible evidence that a few individuals were able to survive this all-out onslaught. Um, there's been some credible sightings um, even into like the nineteen nineties. Um, however, um, the few areas of mature forest that had survived being logged only did so because they were being guarded by those, uh, you know, narco traficantes, the drug dealers, the cartels, <laughs> and, you know, they were up there cultivating marijuana. Well, what happened in the late nineties, early two thousands? Well, one, the, you know, Mexican security forces got a little stronger. They were able to secure areas in the hills and logging companies moved in. And then also, the freaking opioid crisis happened. Wow! So now the cartels were motivated to increase opium production, you know? So they started clearing large swaths of forest to make poppy fields. Oof. And yeah, even to this day, there's still poppy fields up there. And, oh, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, the narc- the drug traffickers guard it uh, a lot. Um, Not so only like, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not going to say who, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of money in that business. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there probably were a few Imperials that survived being shot, you know, and that were still living. But, like, they started to die out in the 1990s because there was no more. Um, they couldn't reproduce anymore. There was not enough forest for them to reproduce. Um, they needed an estimate 25 kilometers squared of continuous pine forest to successfully breed. Um, by 1996, nowhere in the Sierra Madre did that exist anymore. Wow. So, yeah, so it's likely the last ones died out just like, you know, they were able to get enough food. They were able to avoid being shot, but they were just, they couldn't find a tree to, to have babies in, you know? Oh, my God. My heart is crying right I now. I know. So they died like, well, I guess we'll never have children. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like I said before, disclaimer, I like ch- car chases, explosions, but this, oh, my goodness, this makes me sad. <laughs> I know. It really does. No, I'm um, a big sap. I'm a, I'm, well, a big, I'm a big sap. Okay. Well, here here's the hope, okay? So um, there was a there's a famous uh, ornithologist. Um, his name's Tim Gallagher. 
Um, and he's kind of like the Indiana Jones of the bird world. Um, he gets like obsessed with like rare and like thought to be extinct species. Um, he famously like got obsessed with the ivory billed woodpecker and did a lot of surveys. Um, in 2005, he claimed to have rediscovered the ivory billed woodpecker, um, in Arkansas, I believe. Um, yeah, he wrote a whole book about it. I talk about it in my ivory build episode. He's like, did you hear it? No. Like, it's he's got like a little video. short video of it too and it's not very convincing yeah. but you know no. <laughs> i, I want to believe this guy i seen it i swear <laughs> um but he also got kind of obsessed with the imperial woodpecker too and so uh he did a bunch of research um and he made a trip down to the sierra madre occidental i think in 2013 to search for it. He conducted a lot of interviews with people. You know, there were some people that said they had seen him in the nineties. There were some people that said they had seen it, but like when he further flushed it out, it's like, no, they were actually confusing it with this other woodpecker. The uh, Sasquatch. The, yep. Yes. The Sasquatch. <laughs> Sasquatch woodpecker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, he, he believes that it's still out there. Um, unfortunately he wasn't able to do like a full search out into the yeah. Hills because the Los Zetas drug cartel was out there. And, like, basically he was going to get killed if he tried yeah. to venture in there. And yeah. um, he he concluded his research saying maybe it's out there. The cartels are probably actively destroying a lot of its habitat. And uh, we can't even – he advised nobody to go try and look for it because it's just too dangerous. Yeah, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, I, I don't. He's probably on some podcast, um, but he, he's got two books that he wrote, and they're pretty cool. He's like, like I said, he's like the Indiana Jones of the bird world and definitely a huge optimist. So that's so awesome. That's a little bit of hope there. That's, yeah, no, it, it's good to it's good to have hope and faith, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, understanding what we know, you know, it's a little bit thin over there, you know, yeah. just like, you know, especially, you know, going out and venturing into certain places, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's cool. Me and my friends always talk about like we want to do a uh, a trip where we go and look for the ivory billed woodpecker because oh, it just sounds dope. like a fun adventure. Like I doubt we would ever find it, you know. How many people do you have on your squad that uh, are willing to venture? I got two at least: Timmy and uh, Zach. They've both been on the show. So uh, oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're... hello, friends. <laughs> yep, there's some bird nerds with me. Damn right. Oh, I got a bird nerd story for you. Okay. Oh, boy. But that'll be for later. No, you can tell it. Oh, no. We went to, my wife and I went to go see a red-tailed hawk uh, nest. And unfortunately, it's by a, 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 a baseball field. Uh-huh. So when we get there, there's a bunch of little leaguers running around. And I'm like, oof, I got a camera, little kids. I don't think this is going to look good. Right? So um, they ended up finishing the game. And, you know, we're leaving. Oh, they were leaving. And, uh... We're like looking for this nest and we saw it, but you know, all the leaves are in the way and stuff like that. So this kid comes up and he goes, he goes, are you looking at birds? And I'm like, yep. And he goes, birds are for nerds, right? (laughs) Now, listen, now, listen, I don't believe in child abuse, you know, so I didn't want to string this kid and, you know, start choking him. You know, some adults were laughing and stuff like that, but, um, you know. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. I didn't say that, you know, and I didn't touch him. I didn't punch him or anything or shake him or nothing like like that. (laughs) I am a nerd. No, but that's what I said. I was like, I am a nerd. And nerds are cool, you know? And then he just went off his little merry way. And I was like, oh, you little... You know, but it's it's funny because, you know, whether he picked it up, you know, from somewhere, not saying his parents, but like, you know, wherever, you know, it's like that, you know, stuff like that is taught. And I don't blame him. You know what I mean? For saying he's a little kid. But, um, you know, I tried to explain to him afterwards. I was like, you know, birds are cool. And, you know, oh, I'm going to, oh, you want to run around (laughs) the bases? I'm going to chase you super fast. (laughs) It would be ironic (laughs) as if his baseball team was called like the Jays or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like, or the Cardinals. (laughs) Actually, my my old baseball team were the Cardinals. And, uh, yeah, like I didn't even care about birds back then. I was just like, whatever. But uh, now I'm like, ooh, Cardinals are awesome. Yep. (laughs) And they're very spiritual, very spiritual. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they shoot right up my alley when it comes to that. Yeah, I uh, in my Cardinal episode, I think I have to. The audio is terrible on it. I was still figuring out how to record. <laughs> but um, uh, one of my friends tells a story about her grandpa. His grandma had uh, just, or his wife, you know, her her grandma had just yeah, died, yeah. and her grandpa was like sitting by the window or something, and a cardinal flew up to the window and was like 
sitting by the window and so he found that as a very spiritual experience his like wife coming back to visit him as a cardinal oh my god like I, yeah i believe it and and not for nothing um when it comes to stuff like that and if you're thinking about it and stuff like that happens it's usually a sign i mean you know it's subjective you know to you know everyone but um a few things similar happened to me uh, in that regard, especially with cardinals. And then when you start learning about cardinals, you know, at least uh, the, the, the spiritual world of it, you know, there's different levels to, you know, say a spirit uh, visiting you. Or if you see like a cardinal on a very windy day, like that's supposed to sig uh, uh, signify that something's pushing you towards a goal. Oh. So if you pay attention to that, then it's telling you, hey, listen, you know, stay focused and, you know, go for what you need to go for because um, some spirit is telling you like, hey, listen, you, you, you're here to do something. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know what I mean? And yeah. I believe that stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, humans' relationship with birds is, is so cool. And the way we... Yeah identify with them you know the freedom that they have and, oh and yeah everything like that, um so. i had a i had a cat a while back and uh unfortunately it passed uh, very early and uh you know i'm a big baby you know what i mean like <laughs> the next day i couldn't go to work you know what i mean yeah. because like they're you know they're you know they're they're with you all the time you know uh -huh. and um the next day uh i called out of work and uh yeah, I saw a catbird for the first time. Oh, and, and it was doing the, the cat and call? And it was doing the baby calls or the yeah. R2-D2 yeah. calls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was nuts because I saw it for the first time. And this was right after my cat died. And yeah. it was a catbird. And I think it was like the next year um, migrating season was uh, starting. My wife and I went to a park. And uh, I think it was last year or the year before that. Uh, we went to a park. And I'm looking at the app to see what was around that area. And I saw a catbird immediately started crying immediately. Wow. And I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I, I feel very heavy that, you know, that, you know, things poke itself out, yeah. you know, when, when need be, you wow. know, but you got to pay attention. Exactly. You got to pay attention. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of paying attention, I'll wrap up here with, which is usually kind of the boring part but like i love it uh the evolutionary history of the yeah. imperial woodpecker sometimes i usually end episodes at this because like sometimes i know some people it, it kind of drags on for them but i think it's super cool how these giant woodpeckers with curly q crests um evolved you know mm. so curly um q. <laughs> curly q <laughs> so uh the scientific name for this woodpecker is um campophilus imperialis um and uh, Imperialis Imperial. Um, Campophilus is a genus that contains many large-bodied woodpeckers that are exclusively in North and South America. Um, I won't really go into super detail about them. Uh, you can check out my episodes I do on the pileated and ivory-billed woodpeckers. Um, but uh, what I'll just talk about with the Imperial Woodpecker is, I mean, when you look at one, they look a lot like the pileated woodpecker, which is like everywhere, you know, in North America. Uh, we were talking about that bird earlier. Um, it's got that same large body size, same impressive crest. Um, and however, while they look similar, they're not closely related, like at all. Um, pileated woodpecker is in a whole different genus, Dryocopus. Um, the imperial woodpecker is actually most closely related to the ivory-billed woodpecker, which is also probably extinct. <laughs> um, and uh, the genus Campophilus itself, um, these large-bodied woodpeckers, um, they're all in North and South America. Um, their closest relatives are actually three genuses of birds that are native to Southeast Asia, and they separated like within the past 11 million years ago. Uh, this is oh, wow. Yeah, this is long after the continents drifted apart, so you know it's not like they separated on the different continents. It's kind of a mystery about how their uh, common ancestor got, you know, over to the Americas, probably via the Bering, uh, you know, Strait, the land bridge or something like that. They're, it's very doubtful they th flew across the Pacific Ocean. But yeah, that's kind of a mystery there. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, what we do know about the common ancestor of Campophilus, though, is that it likely didn't have that big, impressive crest that we see on the Imperial and the Ivory-billed woodpecker. 
Um, we deduce this by looking at like the most basal members of this genus. Um, that means like kind of the first ones to evolve. Um, these kind of first Campophilus uh, woodpeckers to evolve, they tend to have round heads, smaller body sizes, and lighter markings on their bellies. So the big crest, the big body size, and that rich black coloring of the imperial and the ivory-billed woodpecker evolved later. Um, and also, you know, they're not closely related to that pileated woodpecker. So the pileated woodpecker just on its own evolved that big crest that it has. Um, and so uh, it's people are still speculating, like, is it um, like kind of doing like a mimicry thing um, with the bigger birds, you know, kind of because like, uh, do you know the hairy and the downy woodpecker? Yeah. Yeah, they look almost exactly alike. The hairy is just a little bigger. But yeah, they're... the big, the, the big is the the difference. Yeah, hey, one's uh, bigger and one's smaller. Yeah, one is like half the size of the head. Yeah, one's yeah. like nearly the size. Yep. Um, even though they look super similar, they're not closely related. Like, it's, wow. Yeah, it's thought that the downy evolved to look like the hairy, so that it could almost act like it's bigger. You know. Oh, which shit. is which is kind of interesting. Sneaky, um, sneaky. Yeah, I might have gotten that wrong, but yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's probably kind of similar why the pileated looks so much like uh, these guys. Um, another thing about the common ancestor for Campophilus is uh, it's thought that it uh, had this double hammer signal. Pretty much all of the uh, birds in Campophilus. Un unfortunately, we can't hear the ivory build or the imperial woodpecker anymore. But if you go down in South America, there's still some Campophilus uh, species left. And all of them will do this like double rap, like boop, boop, like signal when they drum on trees. And since they all do it, it's thought to be a very old behavior that was embedded in this genus. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I'll wrap up here with how kind of the Imperial Woodpecker um, formed from the Ivory build. Um, it's thought that they split off approximately one to two million years ago. Uh, but if you look at their range maps, you wonder how the hell this happened. So we talked about the Imperial Woodpecker. It's in those mountains in Mexico. And then the Ivory build, it was in like kind of the southern swamps of the U.S. Now, in between that, there's hundreds and hundreds of miles of desert, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. North Mexico, you know. Um, however, about 2 million years ago, that was all uninterrupted forest. So just all like of Southern U S all of like Mexico, Texas, it was all forest. And, uh, actually there's been a fossil found in Scurry County in Texas of a fossil woodpecker. Oh yeah. It's thought to be the common ancestor to the ivory build and the Imperial woodpecker. It was dubbed, um, Campophilus dalquesti. Uh, the Dalquesti is just because the guy who discovered it was Dr. Walter Dalquest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so there was this uninterrupted forest and Campophilus Dalquesti, which was a big-bodied woodpecker, probably looked a lot like the ivory build or the imperial woodpecker. Maybe it had a curly Q crest, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but then the climate shifted and... Um, uh, and it became drier in Mexico and Texas. They start, it started turning into desert. The forest was dying off. And so then the populations were separated. One of them was separated in the southern swamps of the U.S. One of them was separated in the mountains. And then, you know, they later became ivory-billed and imperial woodpecker. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so that's how they formed. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool history. It sucks that, you know, they were only around for like two million years. There was only like a couple thousand of them at a time. And, and now they're probably gone. But... Uh, Whatever. Well, we still appreciate them and, and still learn about yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, that's really all I have, uh, Jay Pogo. Do you have any last comments or anything? Or I don't know. What, what did you like learning? I liked learning about everything. I have a brain fog right now. <laughs> but it was a – it was a, it, 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 I like learning at the, the different things that – take away from the species you yeah. know and it's and it's negative but again you know we can learn from those things and it doesn't necessarily have to have like a a, a story behind it like uh something that you would find you know like a a, a native american story because mm -hmm. the story's right there you know the more that you know we know about uh what happened and you know what people did we can correct those mistakes you know, and I think that's the biggest thing that I took off of this is that, you know, with more of the human influence, you know, we can either hurt or help, you know, and 
you know, I have a feeling that, you know, a lot of people want to help, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, a, and, a, and a crying for help, you know, so, you know, we just, you know, leave off with, you know, you know, number one, respecting the wildlife and, you know, most importantly, respecting each other and, you know, taking care of each other. You know, one thing that, you know, I learned with this mess that we're going in and, you know, 2019 going into 2021 is that we need to stick together the most. Yeah. And, you know, the things around us, you know, do have, uh, uh, we do have uh, a, a touch within an, the environment. And, you know, that goes with, you know, birds, uh, you know, especially, but bees, you know, butterflies, wildlife, you know, there's a natural order that, you know, we can't, you know, we can't keep making worse, you know, and, you know, that's, I, I think the biggest thing that I, you know, picked up off of this for Agreed. sure. Yep. And, uh, I'm taking Tim Gallagher's view to be an optimist. Um, but yeah. yeah, but definitely, uh, uh, also recognize what happened in the past and let's learn from those mistakes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, make this world a better place. <laughs> that's it. That's what we need the most, you know, and I want to see, I want to continue to see, you know, seeing my little, my, my little birds and my big ones, Yep. you know, and, uh, I'm at 193 species really? just on the East coast. Yeah. That's awesome. a lifeless, not like a big year or anything like right, that. Right. But if, you know, again, if I, like I said before, if I knew then what I knew now, that number for sure would be up. But again, yeah. you know, the universe gives you what it needs to give you when you need it. So, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of looking to do, you know, which is cool because, you know, the minute that you stop learning and doing, uh, I feel is the minute you get dull and boring, yep. you know, and, you know, we need to, you know, learn and, you know, teach, you know, so that, you know, somebody else might pick up and, you know, get the appreciation and, you know, go into it with a, with a heavy heart, you right. know, and like the, the, the woodpecker that we were talking about today, like, a lot of it has to do with heart. So you continue to do what you love and, you know, people gravitate towards that positivity and, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It you know, is. That's why I love your podcast with the dirty words. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for being on. Uh, it was awesome. Thank you uh, very much. Seth. Yeah. Keep keep letting me know what's going on with your your burning. Oh, I'll leave you some stalking messages from time to time. <laughs> I sound like a psycho, by the way, but I love it. You're like oh, you're good. too much caffeine and Red Bull, I need to stop. <laughs> That's fun. I'm just gonna every time you leave me one, I'm just gonna picture you on that UPS truck going around looking at the bunnies and the chipmunks. <laughs> oh my goodness, and it's bubby, uh, bunny making season, so we got a lot of little baby bunnies. Oh my goodness, they're the cutest, <laughs> hopping around all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Jay Pogo. Um, thanks, John. And uh, for all listeners, as always, stay dirty, fellow birdies. Yes, and leave reviews. Leave reviews. Thank you. <laughs> dirty Bird Podcast is brought to you by me, John, and our rotating panel of guests and co-hosts. Thanks, everyone, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Our logo is made by TJ Ranoski, with inspiration from my beautiful fiance, Lauren. Love you, babe, even though you don't listen to the show. Our intro music is by Ricky Pistone, and our outro is by the Sidewalk Slammers. Find them wherever you get your music. Send listener mail to dirtybirdpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at dirtybirdpodcast. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, you name it, Dirty Bird's been there. Jungle, I might get into a little wrong.